The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. Karen, we're over here. You didn't tell me that Richard was coming. That isn't Richard. Karen, may I introduce you to... Karen, pleasure to meet you. Tom Burris, good friend of Jack's. Hello. Pardon my enthusiasm. I've just always loved your singing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thoughts of leaving disappear each time. Hey everyone, it's another episode of Loose Cannons Podcast coming at ya. Today we're going to be discussing 1988's Superstar, Superstar, (laughs) Karen Carpenter story, directed by (laughs) Todd Haynes. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking off our Musicians Month, sadly not joining us, despite trying to reschedule multiple times to get everyone in on the podcast. The person who suggested Musician Months. This is your theme, Patrick. What do you think? This is your podcast. <laughs> this one goes out to you, Patrick. We love you. <laughs> we miss you. We'll never yep. forget you. <laughs> R.I.P. Patrick will be joining us again next week for whichever Musician Podcast we're doing. The week after this. I think maybe... Mm, it's Fine. his. Uh, oh, One-way ticket to love. There you go. Yeah. All right, right at the top of the podcast, finding out what to watch next, One-Way Ticket to Love. Um, but before we discuss Superstar, let's do a little segment we like to call Harold's Announcements. Kicking us off will be Basil, since Patrick is not here. Oh, no horn. That's Sneaky. also because Patrick is not here. Boom. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and denounce the 1968 version of the Jungle Book, but I'm going to herald watching movies while coming down on acid, because that is exactly <laughs> the context of me watching this movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was, we were all pretty tired, long day of hallucinating, and, uh, so decided to watch a movie we tried a bunch of different movies uh first a comedy special which i thought was too mean and was making me upset and then uh tried to watch oh hello on broadway which was a uh too meta for Haley, which she found very unsettling because she couldn't tell whether or not the the meta-ness was her 
creating fake associations in her hallucinogen riddled minds <laughs> or if the meta jokes were on purpose <laughs> and uh then we tried to watch moana but the uh, the uncanny valley of how much they move like real people but look like weirdo smooth dolls <laughs> really creeped her out <laughs> uh, sounds like mitchell was down for whatever yeah, he's a pretty easygoing guy in real life, and even on every kind of drug that I've tried with him, he he really stays mostly the same person, which is pretty impressive because I feel like uh, drugs have a very strong effect on how I uh, interact with people. Yeah. But um, then uh, then we thought, oh, animation looks cool, so let's try something that's like actually an old school style animation. And I remembered that I had the Jungle Book on my hard drive, so uh, we watched that. Um, backgrounds look pretty cool. The actual animation is sometimes cheap, but mostly okay. But the movie itself is uh, pretty gross. Lots of uh, weird implications, things I didn't pick up on before. Baloo the Bear is a very, very strange character because I didn't realize it until now, but he sort of sounds like John Wayne, which I think is on purpose, and uh, so he's kind of this cowboy person, but he's also like kind of uh, a satire of like the hippie movement, which is like seeing the hippie movement as this like, oh, I do whatever I want, I'm just this hedonist, and it's a great way to live, but it's actually, at least in the movie's eyes, extremely irresponsible because you can get yourself into yourself and other people that you care about into lots of trouble and almost get them killed and uh, you're kind of indifferent to consequences you might be causing in your life and I was like oh this is weird it's like the most like extremely conservative uh, famous person mixed with like a conservative animation studios idea of what hedonism looks like and (laughs) Is pretty Feel that funky jazz beat. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta dance um, with these monkeys. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, yeah, the uh, end is, of course, terrible. Mowgli's a real rude, ungrateful little kid. Just, uh, you know, everyone does all this stuff for him, and he's like, no, no, no. You got, I can't believe you guys are making me leave the jungle. And as soon as he sees the woman, he's like, Ah, oh, never mind. Fuck the jungle. I'm gonna go try to have sex with her, <laughs> even though he's eight years old or whatever. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the girl is also like the same age as him, but just singing about how excited she is to get married and have a kid, who will then take on her child girl duty of getting water from the river, and it's this perpetual cycle of uh, getting water getting married, having a little girl who also get water. Fertility symbols abide. Yeah. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. What about King Louis? Uh, I mean, King Louis, I feel like enough has been spilled about him. You know, I'm not going to uh, beat a dead horse, even if it deserves to get beat. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fucking horse. Yep. I hate you. <laughs> Racist horse. Beat yeah. that racist yeah. horse. And, uh, 
There's Rudyard also Kipling was pretty famously very grossly conservative, so it all yeah. fits. It all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a weird. The elephants are supposed to represent the British army, which is interesting because it seems somewhat anti-imperialist because there are a bunch of buffoons who are just like walking all over the jungle wrecking stuff and uh, have all this pomp and circumstance, but are actually just disgusting. But I was still like, I don't, I don't understand this metaphor. And, of course, it's filtered through Disney, so it's possible that even whatever commentary might have existed in Kipling's stories are uh, very watered down and uh, renegotiated for Disney's own ideological ideas. Nice. I have nothing to herald or denounce, so on you, Ruben. Alright, I'm in kind of a similar boat to Basil in that I think I'm denouncing this movie called Indignation directed (laughs) by James Seamus from last year, but also I had a very weird experience watching it last night where like a third of the way through the movie, I was like okay, this movie's awful definitely in my bottom ten of 2016 and then I was like is this movie (laughs) as bad as I thought it was? I definitely feel comfortable saying that it's poorly directed, but that maybe the reason why I had such a weird response to it is perhaps the source text. I I haven't read any Philip Roth. I don't know if either of you have, but um, Mm. maybe the source text is interesting and some of that just shines through just because it's an adaptation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely feel like if there is something interesting happening that you have to really dig for it and then <laughs> the director Seamus probably missed it which isn't I don't know that surprising to me he was the like head honcho at Focus Features for a long time and Ang Lee's like producing buddy and I do think that his films fall into like a very like even admittedly so like a very middle brow centrist kind of camp mm. and there's definitely like a bit to this of like Let's not forget about the young white men with all the times changing. <laughs> they still got a lot, of add, a lot to add to this world. And, I don't know, kind of boring at best. <laughs> at best, take boring at best. And as I was telling Basil off podcast, um, I thought the movie had well, maybe the worst scene I'd ever seen in my life where the young lead character is getting a blowjob and in the middle of the blowjob he starts having a voiceover like pontificating about why it's happening and the meaning of the blowjob and I was like if this was satire it would be really funny but then he finishes and she like looks up at him and smiles like heavenly and I'm like oh god (laughs) I feel really unpleasant about everything that just happened Mm. and then like two scenes later they managed to top it because he avoids her because he feels so uncomfortable about what happened. And she, like, corners him in the library and starts arguing, like, how she really wanted to give a blowjob and why it was okay. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> oh, man. Pour one out for the white male and his blowjobs. Yeah. He really wants to talk about be, them. They can really wreck your world. <laughs> What happens in this movie? If you're not ready for a blowjob, <laughs> your entire world can be shaken up. Yeah. 
Rough stuff. Sounds cool. Anyways. All right. Moving on to a movie entirely absent in blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> or people. <laughs> That's not true. There's a few people That's in That's true. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. This was my pick. So, uh... It's basically like a um, a parody of like a Eve True Hollywood story type like uh, expose on the famous sad life of a uh, famous person. So it's about Karen Carpenter and her struggles with uh, anorexia and um, the way that Todd Haynes does the dramatization part of it, which is usually with like actors who look semi like the famous people instead just uses uh Barbie dolls uh with hair and costumes designed to look like the various uh real life people that are being portrayed. Technically and, uh, just uh Karen Carpenter is a Barbie doll, the others are different types of dolls. Oh, which is yeah. I think semi thematically important. That's fair. Uh and um so it just you know sort of charts the uh beginnings of the band their um uh fame her struggles with that fame uh some brief interludes of fake people uh weighing in on their feelings about the carpenters and then uh ends with um her death in 1983. Uh, so, Ilya, what did you think of this movie? I like this movie. Uh, as we talked about on the Felt Like a Kiss podcast, I like it talking about like American culture that on the surface seems quite obvious. Like the Carpenter's music seems quite obvious and kind of like very... Um, like presented in a way that's very unthreatening and wholesome and like all these things mm -hmm. um but also with like some weirdness to it like karen carpenter's voice is really really interesting and really good and sometimes and makes these songs into something much more than like the bland sort of thing that they represent or are supposed to represent um, I think that Haynes is very interested in that and uh, unpacks that a lot. Um, and I think that a lot of the, like, you know, the atmosphere reminded me of Safe a lot. I think that he perfected that type of, like, just feeling of nausea when you're watching his movie uh, even more in that one. Um, but I think, like, he uses these dolls and whatever to pretty great effect here um i was really surprised by some of the emotions these dolls served up even when they were like edited in a way or like the faces of the doll of cart of karen's doll became thinner and thinner and so on um thought that was pretty pretty unsettling um yeah i i like this movie I like this movie too. I'm a little worried that since Basil called it a parody, that he's gonna say that he thought it was really funny. <laughs> 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 I 
uh, I didn't find it funny. Um, what is, I think, maybe interesting about my feelings on it is that I don't care about the doll stuff, which is what it seems like most people connect to or find interesting about the film almost at all. I like, I guess, the normal documentary stuff. Maybe in part of that is in response to the doll stuff, but like the first time that it cuts to like the series of people talking about how the Carpenters influenced them or their distaste for the Carpenters as well and their interpretation of them as Ilya was sort of hinting at like a 70s easy listening sound and like a return to like 50s conservatism, American values and stuff like that. Um, I found that segment to be very good and I found the part, I don't know, the like PSA parts to be like kind of haunting in a way that made me sad like talking about anorexia and talking about the wrong-headed ways in which psychologists were approaching anorexia at that time and maybe even still approaching anorexia so I liked all of that stuff the doll stuff and Karen Carpenter's story didn't connect with very much although I find the Carpenter's music to be very very good so mm. I like that part of that <laughs> yeah built-in good score <laughs> yeah um yeah uh i'm actually not 100 percent sure how i feel about this movie but i also uh feel that way partly because of the context of watching it um it's an illegal movie and so there aren't really any very good quality copies available there's uh one on the internet with really shitty uh super dark video and then there's the one that i did watch which uh for most of the first half uh break broke up a bunch as i was watching it so uh, i was found it hard to get into any of the narrative or emotional rhythms of the movie because of uh the way that it the you know the technical aspects kept interrupting it, which is a thing that I struggle with in general. I've never been able to successfully watch a screener of a movie because they always have like really obnoxious uh, like writing on them or some kind of watermark to prevent piracy and all that stuff. Uh, I, I think I'm maybe not enough of a dedicated cinephile to move past like uh, stuff like that, but uh yeah i don't know uh other than that i did find certain moments in it very very uh unsettling and um i think that todd haynes's use of sound is really cool the way that he mixes sound especially uh is pretty good like i think that if i was watching this movie as it was originally intended you know like on uh super eight that or whatever that I would like it a lot more, but uh found it hard to pay attention during the parts when it was breaking up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean the parts uh, that were breaking was, up like seemed to fit uh, with all the rest of the parts where like you could read the <laughs> text at all, like when the text showed up like most of it was either blacked out or like was against like a background where you couldn't read it. So uh, it all felt like this, like, oh, yeah, it makes sense now for this to, like, just start jumping 
back in it's like yeah. video well drawing. i didn't like that either mm. like i didn't like any of that because i don't <laughs> think any of that's intended by todd haynes i think that that's just the like i think that if it was properly uh projected you would be able to read the text i don't think he intentionally made like unreadable text in a movie but uh, it'd be funny <laughs> yeah uh yeah this is the movie in video drum that james woods watching <laughs> right uh yeah, that it'd be fun to read that or whatever. I remember I had an embarrassing moment where I read some a book by Thomas Pynchon that I found online, and it turned out the PDF was just fucked up, like in terms oh, yeah, of formatting. Yeah, yeah. But I just read it as like, oh, uh, that's cool that he just like broke up this paragraph right in the middle <laughs> of the sentence. But it turns out. I was reading authorial intent into nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why intent is stupid. <laughs> you're reading authorial intent made by like transcribing, uh, an automatically transcribing a PDF document into like a Word document mm-hmm. or whatever. The decisions <laughs> exactly. made by a computer program. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did I have a really funny one. Yeah. Yeah. There was. <laughs> There was one really funny one where it was like a big long paragraph and then uh, the paragraph ended and then on the very next page was just one word that was like a funny (laughs) word like drugs and then the paragraph (laughs) ended at the top of the page and I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. (laughs) That was not on purpose at all. I like that a lot. (laughs) Did you read the whole book? Mm -hmm. Nice. It's short. That's cool. I like pinching a lot. That was the other thing that I had fun with on Acid because I was very suspicious of people and I was like, oh, I get why uh, some of Pynchon is the way it is because I was like, I was definitely making up a bunch of uh, (laughs) fake associations among my friends and wondering whether or not people were conspiring (laughs) against me. And I was like, I could see living in the 60s and also doing a lot of Acid. Like, and then like you find out like weird things that seem like they can't be true, like the CIA trying to put like itching powder in Fidel Castro's beard you're like that can't be true and then you find out it is true and then you're like maybe everything is true maybe every conspiracy I've ever thought of is actually true maybe Mitchell and Ruben are robots yeah designed to please me Uh, maybe Kyrie it's in your brain the next time you do maybe Kyrie Irving has a point and the earth really is Mm -hmm. pretty flat yeah You'd have to think uh, that to want to be traded to the Knicks. Yes, that was that was the <laughs> joke I was thinking about making on my Facebook too. But uh, oh well, <laughs> you set me up there. It's a nice alley oop. Yeah. Kind that Kyrie Irving's not going to get to do once he gets to the Knicks. <laughs> um, so of course, like the thing that I want to talk about, that it seems like. It only annoys me. Nobody else seems to have this problem of the like really harsh atonal uses of score to like really tell you how to feel in a certain moment like it mm-hmm. cuts to like a close-up of an xlax box and it's like and i'm like I, even if i watched like a really nice copy of this and like this movie was really hitting me like it would for that would just like be like okay four and a half stars is like the highest that i could ever give a movie that has something like that and like no one ever comments on this is am i the only person who's bothered by music well, being used that way <laughs> yeah i mean the thing that for me like made it hard to read in terms of that was like 
that is exactly the thing that an E! True Hollywood Story type expose, which is this mirroring, mm. would do. So, like, like the things that are, like, sort of, like, bad effects, I was, I had, I found it hard to be, like, is this, is he doing this because he thinks it's, like, an effective way to make a movie, or is it because he's aping a very particular style that's, like, a shoddily made kind of thing yeah. like that is very exploitative like it was similar with i don't know the um what was it there i mean um it's been a while the, since i've seen safe but the other three movies of his that i've seen in the last three years this carol and uh daddy gets spanked all do kind of use music in obvious ways though right that's fair well maybe he just made one like this because he actually does like that kind of <laughs> style. Well, he I mean, likes very, melodrama very a lot, so yeah. like that's part of melodrama this, is very obvious music cues. But uh, the structure of this is like, I mean, as, ha- as a person who watched a fair amount of those <laughs> when I was a kid, like the structure of this is very precisely. Like, mm. I mean, like I, there were parts where I did laugh, like the part when it cuts to like a real life person on the street being like, what is anorexia nervosa? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is exactly like those movies where they just have random people be like, oh, what's this thing? Man. Wow, <laughs> this thing is. I mean, I did laugh also. A e true Hollywood story on the street. <laughs> a couple times, but mostly just at how much of a, like a total prick her brother was and like how funny that was. Like, <laughs> Like I'm the I'm the songwriter and like I have these songs but like yeah but you like you, you like you suck without a singer like no one will <laughs> want to listen to you without a singer like no <laughs> yeah. hey, my sister I didn't exactly laugh but the way that it's like edited and yeah. the act, the voiceover acting like it definitely like almost felt like a laugh moment when she was like uh what's his name kevin yeah, yeah. Uh, richard richard is her brother yes, richard, richard. Yeah. she's Carpenter. like she's like richard do you know what anorexia is and he's like i know that's what fans say you yeah. are <laughs> <laughs> and it's like cuts to like a very close up of the doll face like turned like crooked to the camera and it's like i knew that's what fans say you are mm. <laughs> it's like that was almost pretty funny <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and the, there were other moments that I, I didn't think were funny but were like hinted at some real dark strangeness to their um like home life or whatever like but uh sometimes that was like hit on the nose but there was something weird about the throwaway part when She's like, Richard was 25 when he moved out. Like, I'm old enough to move out now at 35, age 25. Yeah, Jesus. And, like, they just, like, take it for granted that that's, like, ah, that's a normal age to want to move out of the house, <laughs> even though they're, like, super rich. Yeah, or how the parents just casually say, yeah, you're just going to keep living here so you're not <laughs> swallowed up by your fame and all the, you know, the things that are out there oh. for celebrities. Well, what about the scene where she meets her uh, husband-to-be, and she's like, um, they're like, come out to dinner with us, and then she's like, I don't want to, like, you didn't tell me Richard was going to be here, and they're like, that's not Richard, that's some other dude, <laughs> now you're going to marry him, and I was yeah. like, oh, man, that's weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she confused her future husband yeah. for her brother. So also pretty throwaway. Our dynamics at play there. 
pretty throwaway line about him possibly being gay in there as well. Something like that. Oh, Richard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but her telling her, the parents about his hobby or whatever, but it's not like 100% clear. There's a brief scene before that where he introduces her to like a friend of his, which I wasn't sure to read as like, oh, is he introducing him to her for like, mm-hmm. okay, you should like marry this dude or whatever. Um, or it's like, hey, this is my friend. And then like the way he emotionally reacts to her potentially threatening to tell her parents about whatever it is that his hobby is. Um, mm-hmm. is but I don't know, like, I also don't know like how accurate this <laughs> movie re- is at all about like the reality. I know that Karen Carpenter like died of, of mm-hmm. that, but I don't know how accurate like the representation of like her family and whatever like really is. Um, I, I'm sure it's a. I mean, like obviously the line for line, it's not any more than a dramatization is right. in uh, in any of these type of movies. But based on what I understand about it, is fairly accurate in terms of uh, Richard being sort of uh, known for being emotionally abusive and controlling because he's very concerned mm. about the band's image and uh, keeping the band going. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the thing about them moving out is true as well. They didn't move out until they were like 24 or 25. Mm-hmm. That's correct as well. Okay. So yeah. whether or not they know specifically what the parents were like that has, that tells you something. Oh, yeah. Jesus. About the parents. I mean, I mean, I believed it. I believed it. I was just wondering whether how like a high melodrama this like really uh, is from him um, and how much of it is actually like true. Um, but it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah. And it's interesting, the, um, I mean, the parts that do intermingle, like, real life stuff or whatever, like, because I wasn't really alive during that time, I didn't actually know that that was kind of, like, the appeal of the Carpenters was like, ah, the 60s were too crazy, like, I can't (laughs) handle it, like. I just want to listen to something nice and pretend the world's okay. That's Why what can't you I do get that? when you protest the government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let a raucous nation smoothly into the 70s. <laughs> that was funny. I did like that um, voiceover over yeah. the shot of the house. It's pretty good. <laughs> but. And of course, Nixon liked them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic Nixon. (laughs) Because they have the same name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He likes everyone named Richard. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Watch out, Ruben. (laughs) He's going to invite me to the White House from beyond the grave. Yeah, when you die, you'll get invited to that white house in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. um. Oh, I I have a question, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't really have a positive or negative feeling. And maybe y'all won't have anything to say about this either. But I guess I feel like it's 
strange that Todd Haynes has made so many movies, and they seem to be his most well-regarded movies, about women under scrutiny. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, that... Um, we've talked about this uh, a little bit, about probably less successful films, about like someone from one identifying group, I guess, making films about someone from a different identifying group, uh, like the cool world or something like that, Mm -hmm. and whether or not that's okay, if there's a problem there. It doesn't seem like, for whatever reason, maybe because he's like really weird and good at directing, that people talk about it with Todd Haynes very much. But uh, I don't know. I don't know why people don't talk about it, or if it is an issue, or... Well, I think that, I mean, one of the reasons why people don't talk about it that is uh, very problematic in and of itself, I think, is the, uh, the at least, like, uh, until somewhat uh, until somewhat recently, fairly unchallenged notion that, like, gay men understand women because there's, like, an inherent femininity to both of them, so that there's, like, uh, a way in which gay men are able to uh, understand like the female condition better than a straight dude. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, pretty (laughs) terrible and baseless, obviously. So I think that especially, I mean, like, and that for a lot of reasons, uh, a much less successful, in my opinion, director like Pedro Madavar doesn't get, at least until recently, was almost never called out for much more uh, gross and often terrible depictions of women because it's like, ah, well, he's gay, so, you know, (laughs) he gets it. He gets it. Whatever that means. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, um, I think that, like, part of it is, like, a kind of, um, I think, at least, like, uh, I don't know how to, like, like a, um, something that started small and, uh, and then kind of built or whatever that, like, you know, um, uh, melodrama became, especially, like, old Hollywood melodrama became popular in the gay community and then watched a lot and consumed a lot and then, you know, many directors, when they start to make movies want to make movies like the movies that they like so then Mm. it becomes kind of a thing that uh builds from there but i i don't know i mean i think that uh there's um like i think like anything that it should be taken perhaps on like a case-by-case basis that you shouldn't necessarily say oh you you definitely can't do this, but that uh, you should be careful when you do, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing to answer yeah. because then on the other side, there are people who are rightfully upset about lacks, uh, lack of representation and then, you know, want to come after Wes Anderson for not having enough people of color in his movies. And I'm like, no, don't do that to him. <laughs> he 
movies are bad. Like he did, he does a bad job whenever he does put people of color in his movies. Yeah. Yeah. He should put people of color behind the camera and then maybe yeah. in front of the camera. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, uh, honestly, from like watching uh, Haynes's movies, um, like watching Safe and watching like more overtly like like more overt stuff like like carol for example like if carol were made by like a straight film director i think it would get a lot more shit for it's like pretty <laughs> like sim simple and kind of not not really rich and complex depiction of like homosexuality and and whatever like i don't think for whatever reason his movies about women make the women characters and their like inner life much more interesting than whatever depictions of like gay relationships or gay characters or whatever are in his movies those are usually either not present or not interesting or you know um so it seems to be like his like storytelling and directorial like strength to depict like female characters in like with like a lot of life to them and especially mostly uh, women characters who are just like pretty while like strong in some ways and like pretty good at like certain aspects of of, of uh, whatever is going on in their life like they're usually thrust in a situation where society just beats the shit out of them um, and it's usually like their closest people and like uh, who, who are like the worst to them um, and like on one on the one hand that's probably pretty typical for a lot of melodrama but it seems to be especially typical for his way of shooting melodrama like this suffering aspect so to speak it's very strong i can't really speak no. on his handling of male characters because i don't i don't know if there's any reason why but the four films i've seen by him all center around women this one carol safe and daddy gets spanked mm. you thought i was gonna say far from heaven but you were wrong i haven't seen that one <laughs> and i no. have seen daddy gets spanked <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing. I'm seen, not there. Yeah, Wasn't I'm not there by him? No. Mm -hmm. No. And uh, Velvet Goldmine and Poison. Those all. Have oh yeah, yeah, Velvet Goldmine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, now I've yeah. watched Velvet Goldmine, but wow, that doesn't even seem like a film by him, in retrospect, because it doesn't have women at the center of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I guess I'll, I ask the question and give a little bit of an answer. I like the idea of people making films about people who aren't like them, as long as the understanding is that the film is, this is what my understanding and experience of something that I haven't experienced is. Like, as long as, mm -hmm. as, long as they're not saying, like, this is what reality is yeah. for them. Like, I think that's interesting. And I think, to me, what I might... Maybe, but I haven't watched enough of his catalog to say for sure, critique Todd Haynes about is like, okay, you've done this for a while, maybe not do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Which obviously isn't really applicable to Karen, uh, 
Carpenter, a superstar, the Karen Carpenter story, because this is one of his first movies, if not his very first. Um, yeah. But I I think it's strange that people are just like, what if no one's like, what if you made a couple more movies about being a man? <laughs> right. <laughs> or being a gay man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I mean, at least on within the sort of, uh, I guess, like, hierarchy or the different kinds of media that get produced, that film at least is very collaborative, at least if you're doing yeah. it right. So, you know, he, he can... I mean, this movie was also co-written by um, a woman and co-produced by one, and that... Sure. Uh, you know that uh, obviously, hopefully, someone is seeking feedback from their actors and not being like having them be like, mm, I feel like this isn't really representative of how a woman would behave. And be like, well, too bad, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so that the fact that his movies are generally well received by this community speaks, you know, at least a little bit to him being empathetic and working well with other people and taking their input and stuff like that you know to use a bad counter example like a lot of people are like the neon demon isn't sexist because it was co-written by a woman and it was shot by a woman it was produced by a woman and stars mostly women like yeah but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that um Refn took any of their advice <laughs> right or asked for it <laughs> yeah probably just put him in there just for that particular reason so you could say it's not sexist <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would even say like, well, not to give him credit, but oh, that like I, uh, I would doubt that most people would have that kind of, uh, you know, um, like, sort of thinking of being like that. I feel like tokenism when it happens is almost never like a conscious decision yeah. that it's like a a thing of like thinking that they're being collaborative but are actually not you know yeah but like uh i mean which makes it more you know dangerous obviously that it's not like ah if i put a black person in this movie then no one will be able to say it's racist i better do that (laughs) yeah but like so it's not a it's not a conscious it's a subconscious decision that then is made conscious by people analyzing it and criticizing it and then you're like uh fuck go go get out of my subconscious people this is rude Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) except for that one uh true hollywood story that patrick told us about uh his friend who was sitting in on the casting meeting where they were like all right we've got a pretty diverse cast we've got a blonde (laughs) (laughs) jesus uh, there was a conscious decision just totally in the wrong direction man, you gotta get right. feedback from all different sorts of sources I still she's think, not even a natural blonde it comes from a box I still think that <laughs> le- that line would be super funny if delivered like in an ironic like if, if it's like an ir- <laughs> it's a, if it's a joke like that's a pretty funny yeah. joke <laughs> but it's not a joke which makes it just <laughs> horrifying <laughs> it's really really 
Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask um, everyone else, there's, like, footage of someone throwing a body in, like, a mass grave that sure pops is. up. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like that, every time, it comes up multiple times, and every time I was like, hmm. This, I think, is too far. Is that like, when the spanking yeah. also happens? Uh, it, it shows up then, but it shows up for the first time pretty mm. early in the movie. And then yeah, it's right it's, before, before there's a title card that says, like, this movie is a depiction of the scrutiny under which, you know, femininity exists. Uh, yeah, mm. something. Yeah. Like, basically introducing, mm-hmm. like, one of the major themes of the film. Yeah. Um, it shows that. Yeah, I assume that's Holocaust footage, but I'm not positive. Yeah, that was my assumption as well. Which Ooh. Seemed, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, uh, I mean, no, I, I don't like that nah. about this film. Um, I mean, is it supposed to comment on the anorexia aspect, like how? But that's well, even, I I think it was supposed to be like the disposability of like female celebrity like huh. which i think ties into the sort of like parodying yeah. these okay. e-hollywood truths because i mean like the also, one of like the things oppression like the idea mm-hmm. that there's an entire world of like oppressing and telling them that they're wrong and that you know mm. they should self-punish for being born this wrong yeah. way yeah right and that uh that obviously like I mean, um, one uh, ties into the other theme of the movie, or one of the other major themes, which is like of the way in which, you know, the way that we talk about uh, famous people really dehumanizes them, and that these things are especially guilty of that. That they kind of create a, you know, turning a real person's really sad life into basically an exploitation movie to watch for fun when you're bored at 3 p.m. or whatever. Yeah. I think the only time I've really enjoyed any kind of, like, Nazi imagery, like, being showed on screen... Really enjoyed it? ...was Starship Starship Troopers. I think that's fair to say that I enjoyed that, actually. (laughs) Like, I enjoyed them having, like... Mm. Gestapo uniforms and that being like fucking super dark and stupid. Um, but uh, otherwise, I don't think I, it's. it's I, I don't think I've ever really liked it. it. <laughs> the movie, um, sweet movie, uses Holocaust footage in it, and I remember thinking that, wow, this is one of the few movies where I wasn't like, mm. no. <laughs> yep. Where I actually thought like, oh yeah, you actually did kind of earn this. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, man. There's something I was going to say that was not Holocaust-y. Oh, uh, eat true Hollywood stories. Um, I think of a bunch of different uh, instances where I've enjoyed their use in other media. Um, probably the main one is from season two of Veronica Mars, where they keep showing the eat true Hollywood story, like, type thing of Aaron Eccles mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then like the um, end of season two when he gets out of jail like he's watching the movie made about his own fall and like yeah. really grooving on it <laughs> and cause like he's like yeah that's what they said but I won I'm the winner 
<laughs> that that was pretty funny. And also in Parks and Rec, um, they did one for Tom Haverford. And she's like, I can't, why are you still watching that? And he's like, I have to learn where I went wrong so I can figure everything out. And she's like, you made it about yourself. Like, no one else made that movie. <laughs> like, that's, that's a funny joke yeah. on, the, on the Hollywood story. Is that he, he so wants to be part of this celebrity culture. That he would make a movie about they, himself. They weren't going to make yet. Yeah. Um, he would make a movie, make you know, totally tearing himself down for like all of his mistakes. Yeah. And then he would watch that movie and be yeah. like, oh, man, yeah, what, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> What happened to my celebrity life? It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Well. I mean, it's a 45-minute movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also very on the surface, like, what it's doing. Yeah. Right. Like, people say out loud what the movie is about in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I was going to say, uh, as far as, I mean, I mentioned it at the top, so I might as well say it before we wrap up, but the, the two times when she's having sort of like a, a breakdown and it turns into like a POV thing the second time and the first time it's like a, her kind of like wandering around the way that the sound mixes like weird kind of horror movie sound with the Carpenter songs. I was like, oh, this is mixed pretty well where it's like you know, flowing between them in a way that I uh, enjoy. Like, it's very on the nose, yeah. but I was... Yeah, I thought the the sound mixing in Daddy Gets Spanked was very, very good. And the, um, I don't know. I wish more people watched and liked that movie. Because mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen Safe in a long time. Uh, Safe would have a higher ranking based on my memory of it, but of the ones that I've actually seen recently... I, I prefer that he gets spanked to either Superstar or Carol. Mm. Um, nice. It's a weird psychosexual thing about like uh, TV and celebrity and like children and stuff like that. I thought it was pretty weird. I think it would be interesting to <laughs> to find like a movie that like like there's like a section in which like Todd Haynes and Guy Madden probably intersect a little bit. <laughs> like I feel like there's like some little issue there, which like they share, and th- like that movie sounds like something that like I like one of Guy Madden's movies probably also like did, did yeah. he do like a movie about spanking as well? I think I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Guy uh, Madden always coward. makes it a joke. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's obviously. I mean, I think and that a little more based serious. on the. <laughs> The things that he, the motifs that he repeats, he's probably into a lot of these sexual things, but is also very aware of how silly it is to be into I, them. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's called like Sissy Boy Slap Party or something like that. Nice. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a there's a I fair did. amount of spanking and cowards. Cowards bend the knee, yeah. Bend the knee yeah. as well. Yeah. And I always, I don't remember the exact uh, line, or not line, because it's not spoken, but I guess intertitle, but the part when uh, in the forbidden room and the guy is sitting on the bench and the women in the, the like lycra skeleton suits show up and it's like, skeletons, lady skeletons, <laughs> sexy lady skeletons, <laughs> and <then> like dancing. <laughs> that to me is like Guy Madden in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I really like these sexy lady skeletons. He's like, that's pretty stupid though. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. To make sure everyone knows how much I like these sexy lady skeletons and how stupid they are. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a much funnier director than than uh, Haynes ever was. But uh, yeah, yeah, it would be nice. I mean, even just like would be cool if Todd Haynes took all the prestige and uh, goodwill that he's earned from studios and made something more yeah. weird and like his early stuff or whatever because it does yeah. seem like uh you know prestige cinema what he's doing right yeah. now i mean i guess i'm not there is a little bit more experimental but in a way that i found very irritating when i saw it in the theater maybe i'd like it more now hmm. though but also you i don't care about there Bob for that film yep <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, Far From Heaven, he, you know, basically had, I was thinking that maybe he was still building up to Carol, but no, he probably had the ability to do something a little bit more weird instead of Carol, mm. but maybe next time? Maybe. <laughs> He's still going. <laughs> He's still not that old, right? When, with this movie came so. out in 89. movie in the 80s. And he made it for or school. 88, so. yeah. So. Well, he's probably in his 20s. When he made this? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. I assume so. Yeah. It said that he made yeah. it for school, so somewhere. Yeah, so he's probably like 50-something. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you are enjoying the podcast. If so, subscribe using your podcast listening application give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If you're interested in finding more of our content, you can find it at loosecannons.net, where we have all of our podcasts as well as writings and videos. And um, on the website, you can also find links to our message board to discuss individual episodes or basically anything really that you want to. Um, As long as we have some sort of knowledge on it, we'll probably join in. So, if it's been mentioned on this podcast, basketball, civilization, someone will say something. These are great topics. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, um, like we said at the top of the podcast, uh, the next one on the musician list is uh, Ticket to Love. One-Way Ticket to Love. Yeah, One-Way Ticket to Love. Um, Sounds like a good song. Well, Mm -hmm. if you want to be prepped for the next one, that is what is up next. Yeah. Our All second right. Masahiro Shinoda movie. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I think we nailed it. Yeah.